0: You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to
1: upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: This is a podcast from Comedians Comedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I'm bringing you an episode recorded at the Montreal Comedy Festival just a few weeks ago with Lisa Traeger. She was one of Variety's 10 comics to watch uh, at that festival and she is someone who is ferociously funny, uh, fiercely feminist and I've accidentally alliterated those four words. That's uh, not intentional, but I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, Those of you listening in the UK who are less aware of Lisa, uh, batten down the hatches. (laughs) She is a really, really exciting forceful comic voice and she doesn't give an F. So... Um, I saw you for the record, could you please pronounce your name?
1: Yeah, it's Lisa Traeger.
0: Lisa, gotcha. Because I yeah. saw the I saw one of the uh, like the variety tend to watch cocktail party yesterday and you were introduced they as my name Liza. Wrong.
1: Yeah, it happens all the time, and the problem with it is because people who don't know it are confident that they know it. Like one of my best friends, uh Sabrina, she was talking to someone and they're like, Oh, I just saw Liza, and she went, Oh no, it's Lisa, and the one was like, It's Liza. <laughs> and this is like to my best friend, like people just get really cocky and confident about it. Okay, it. okay. And they're wrong. And so I can't, yeah, I'm not mad at anyone.
0: Oh, that's, well, that's cool. So you are one of the variety tend to watch comics here at yeah. the Montreal Comedy Festival. What does that mean to you? And I'm not, I'm not a representative of variety. No,
1: I know. It's really exciting. It's fun that you asked that because um, when I did New Faces here four years ago at the festival, I remember my friend Nikki, like she was on variety and it was just, uh,
0: so Nikki cool. Nikki Laser? Laser. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know if it was that or whatever, but like I just remember watching her and she had panels to do and she was doing podcasts and like me and uh, my friend were taping an audition for her in her room and she was just like so busy and doing all these shows and doing an hour I went to go watch and I just, um, it's just so cool to come back and like be that person yeah, and be doing all the cool shows and the venues and like, yeah, it just feels really awesome to be the person that I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I, now I get to do all these shows and be busy and people want to like... Hang out, yeah, it feels yeah. nice.
0: Yeah, and you're being, you're in the, just for people who are less familiar with the Montreal Comedy Festival, you're kind of being shepherded around by management and hooked up with things and shown off and...
1: Yeah, no, my the thing that I'm really lucky is like my, pe- my reps are chill as fuck. Like they're not desperate. And I love that about them. Yeah. Okay. Like they, like one is like, ugh, I hate being here. Like she's too, it's too much for her. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy that. Um, some people are chatting. I'm like developing a show right now. Like I'm doing a pilot with someone. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not interested in any business. To be honest, like there's very few, I'm doing what I want to do right now. So it's like, I'm not nervous or excited or anything to meet anybody.
0: Okay. So how long have you been doing comedy and how long have you been doing what you want to do?
1: Um, I've been doing comedy for over eight years. And then I've, I guess I haven't had a day job in like two years, two and a half years, okay. something like that.
0: And that's an achievement for an American comic in a way that we yeah. in the UK don't fully realize no. <laughs> how incredibly privileged we are to be able to work and start earning money fairly soon. Very soon,
1: yeah. Um, I feel, yeah, that's not the case. And a lot of my friends, because so I started in Chicago and then I moved to New York about three and a half years ago. And a lot of my friends I moved with still have day jobs, you know, it's hard. Um, So I just feel really lucky. And then I guess selling the show and working on that has been fairly new, like in the past few months. But I got passed to the Comedy Cellar, which is like a really cool club in New York. And Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to perform there, too. So like uh, getting so in one week when I moved to New York, I taped my Comedy Central half hour and got passed to the Cellar. So that's when I quit my day job and that's when I kind of like was like I'm great like it just felt so good like you know I did my albums it's like a chunk of what I've worked on is out in the world I'm performing every night at this cool club and I get to do shows in New York all the time so like I guess a couple years ago And
0: did that feel like a risk to give up the day job or did it feel like this is fine now
1: It's yeah Yeah. I just I mean if I had to get a day job again I would you know what I mean it wasn't scary I wasn't nervous about it. It felt
0: okay. good. Are you nervous about anything? Um, I'm saying that because you seem from the bits of your act that I've seen here. I <laughs> saw you supporting Sashia and I saw you last night in the Andy Kindler show. Oh, uh, yeah. And you have an unbelievably kind of, I don't know what the word is, brassy. <laughs> kind <laughs> yeah. of like your whole attitude is like, here we are, let's get to fuck on with it. And I wonder how much of that, that part of your stage persona is reflected in how you are, as a, how you are offstage.
1: Yeah, I'm so like, you know, there are moments... I'm trying to think what shows I've been really nervous at. Um, I just got a really good lesson very early on when I started. It was, like, in the first few months, but I was running a weekly show in Chicago with a couple girls, and I was hosting the show, but, like, I worked at this restaurant, too, and none of the servers can work the show, so I had to waitress the show. So, like, I was waitressing, and then I did my spot, and I bombed. Twelve minutes, silence, like... They did not laugh at all, and then I had to continue serving drinks. Jesus
0: to Christ!
1: And so it was just like a really, like pretty brutal experience of that that early in stand up. And then one of my friends, Ken Barnard, he was older, and he took me outside and he was like, "I'll just give you this advice." He goes, "Let's say you're bombing." He's like, "That's the worst." That can happen. Just step back, breathe and do something different. He's like, what you're doing isn't working. Like why stick to these jokes? Like Mm -hmm. be in the moment, be unattached, like be there and like figure it out. And get them back. And I feel like that was the best advice I ever got. Where it's just like being nervous or sticking to something isn't going to help me. It's never going to. There was another nervous thing where like a manager came to see me. And I was so excited. And then I did the set that I thought he would like instead of the set I wanted. And it wasn't a good set. And it was like I was anxious and stuff. So like being nervous, anxious, not being myself has never gotten me the results that I've wanted. I'm always unhappy or like it doesn't work out well. So for me it's just like I'm just going to be myself. And be in the moment.
0: Yes. Did that help you find your comic voice faster than other people might have done? Like your, your voice is so particular. It's such a clear...
1: Well, I've always had... I think um, I wasn't a comedy nerd. So it's not like I had an idea of what comedy. I I fell into it on accident. Like, a dude just asked me to go watch him at an open mic, and I was like, all right. And then I was watching these men perform, and I was like, I can do this. (laughs) And I just went up, and then I was like, I bombed, and I was like, okay, I need to come back next week. And I came back next week, and I did good, and then I just started doing it every day. And so that was, you know, that was like when I was 21. And so it never, when I started, was like, oh, this is going to be my job. Like, I didn't have a plan. It wasn't a planned thing. So I just had fun. I've always talked. I like it. I think like. It just, I've always, it just, yeah, I never had a picture in my mind of what it needs to be or what's comedy or like, and then once I started watching a, tons of comedy, I was like, oh, you're ripping off Louis C.K. Yeah, oh, sure,
0: you, you sure. know what I
1: mean? And then it was like retroactive. Like, so I learned, like I was watching all these greats after I had started.
0: Yes. Okay. So I think
1: that's what helped me kind of be like, I don't have to follow these weird rules that you guys all have in your head because you idolize Eddie Murphy. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, right. Okay. You know? do, you, do you find you've grown any weird rules in your head now that you are... Now that you have gained more of an appreciation of comedy, yeah. or have you managed to retain that sort of, that naivety that worked for you?
1: I do because um, what I hate is when people go like, well, Louis did, or Seinfeld or this. And it's like, yeah, they did something that no one else had done and that's why they're successful. Yep. I hate when people use other people's like process or work ethic to like tell you what you need to do. And it's mm-hmm. like the whole thing is just to be yourself. at stand-up. Like why would I follow someone else's plan or do something else? Yes. Yeah.
0: so have you always as a kid before doing stand-up I mean there's, there's a common like were you the class clown kind of question but I'm more interested in were you always this self-confident
1: yeah it's like weird I don't know how I had so my parents so I was born in the former Soviet Union so it's present day Ukraine and then we moved to America they were old and didn't speak English and I was just in school having to like learn this culture and so I was really just confused like I didn't I really created my own kind of reality for so long. Cause like my lives didn't match up, but um I've always had this personality and no one's liked it <laughs> <laughs> Really, for a long time. I remember in second grade, people wouldn't be friends with me. I tried to hang out with other people. They're like, we don't stop it. I would always have like groups of friends that would be like, your attitude is too much. Like you were mean to Alice. Like just, it was always an issue. I wasn't understood. And I was always confident. Like I asked, I got rejected all throughout high school. I would ask, so many people out on date. No one wanted to date me. No one wanted to have sex with me. I, um, I remember I asked a dude to homecoming and he said no, but then came in my group anyways. And so it was like, we were both single in this group of friends. And it's like, just go as my fucking date, you asshole. So it was just like, I constantly got t- rejected, torn down. Like things didn't work out. I got made fun of. And for some reason it just like, I just kept I I, just—I don't know where it came from. I really don't, and I don't want to be like I'm this hero. But like, there was something inside of me that was like, "They're wrong. I'm not."
0: Yeah. What is that thing? That's an incredible quality to have. I
1: don't know. And I want to credit my parents. You know, they were older. My, you know, my my dad was fifty when I was born, and my mom was forty-two. And I feel like they had life experience, so they let me be who I was because they understood that if they tried to stop me or tell me what to do, I'd resent them. And so I had this freedom to be myself. And I also. They didn't restrict me in ways that maybe like if I, if I had American, or if I was American, maybe I would adhere to certain societal norms that I didn't because they weren't reinforced at home.
0: They, you wouldn't have adhered to certain society. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like if I
1: was just like some American kid, maybe I would have been more shy or I didn't talk as much or I wouldn't argue in class or I wouldn't be argumentative or like whatever. But because I wasn't having someone at home being like, you can't do that or that's not right. Or you should write a thank you or that's not polite. Like I didn't have that. Yes. So I just got to, like, act on instinct. I don't know.
0: Okay. And you, in the face of... I mean, it sounds like pretty overwhelming rejection. Always. I, I think...
1: Yeah, like, I just have all these memories. Like, a girl came up to me. I got my hair, like, posh, spice in fifth grade. And she came up to me and she was just like, do you like your haircut? You know, like, she like that. Like, but I have, like, dozens of these examples. I got egged on Halloween. Like, I just am positive. I don't know why it didn't affect me. I'm sure in the moment I was sad. Like, senior year, I ate lunch alone in the library every day. Like shit was weird but for some reason i was just like you guys are fucked
0: cuz that that is uh, <laughs> i mean there must be so that must be ref, that kind of childhood is presumably reflected in a lot of other comedians mm-hmm. but they probably kind of like i can't imbe- i i recognize little elements of that from my own life but i didn't think you Guys are fucked. I thought, oh, I'm fucked. I don't fit in here. In college, I think that's much I more common.
1: No, in college, when I went to college, I went to Iowa State, and it was this like country town and like an agriculture floor. Like, I did not make friends. I couldn't really connect with people. And I remember being like, why don't I want to be in a sort? Like, I do remember being like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> but,
0: what's wrong with me? Why don't I care? Why do don't, mean, don't I oh, fit? No, why and why don't don't I, you fit in? in college, yeah. it was
1: definitely harder, and that's why I got like arrested and dropped out and stuff. And like, it was the best thing that happened to me. But I was trying to fit in, to, and I was in college, I was like, this is going to be me. And then I did not fit in. And I definitely had a moment of, like, am I really fucked? Like, am I never going to find my people? And then I started doing stand-up. So college was definitely, like, why can't I find friends <laughs> that yeah. like me? You know what I mean? Because even in college, like, I had friends, a like, group of friends, they bailed me out of jail. And then they asked for gas money. And I was, like, cool. I don't know. It was just, like, a. W- it was weird. But that's why when people want to say rude shit or like I bomb or like audiences heckle or whatever anyone wants to say to me or even in comedy like I have people being like you shouldn't be so dirty you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that and I'm like people have been trying to fuck with me forever I'm like this isn't new like if you think you're gonna affect me it's nuts
0: and do you do you find the comedy community more supportive though than school when you said you you had you never found your people and well, then you found comedy for me
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm sure some people don't feel that way. Like, my story, it's um, pretty superficial, but I had these, like, Nike winter boots, and they were, like, gray, orange, and blue, and, like, they had these pom-poms on them, and I fucking loved them. And I was say I got made, fun. they were like, no one liked my shoes or anything. And then I started doing comedy, I remember wearing these boots, and all these people complimented my boots. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, I found my fucking people. Yeah. It felt good. And, like, everyone was kind of rude. They liked to party. They were, like... No one was offended by stupid shit. No one took anything seriously. It was like, oh, I had the best time. I like knew I found my crew
0: it yeah, and do you feel are you confident that will sustain for the rest of your career now that you've found your or the rest of your life now that you've found your crew is that like is there a sense that that vindicates your childhood self like you were just ready too early
1: yeah, do you, but, you know what I mean? yeah. no, I completely feel like I was uh I don't wanna say why I don't know. I no, no go idea. on, what what
0: what what then you wanna say?
1: Oh, I was gonna say like I I've had this I was gonna say like yeah, I guess I was just like wiser when I was little, but like that's weird. And I don't think I was conscious of it.
0: It sounds pretty wise, though, to be able to take that barrage of criticism and think, well, why are these people so wrong? Why yeah, my this? swim
1: coach, he was like, we're sick of your attitude. I'm like, I'm fucking sick of you. Like, get out of here. I just, like, I don't know what it was, but I'm so thankful for it. But no, I'm not, like, cocky that it'll sustain forever. I think comedy is, like, such a privilege to be able to do and especially to make a living that, like, I'm just enjoying it and I know that at any moment anything can go away.
0: Sure. So do you find that, I mean, do you ever... Are you ever rocked by heckles, by criticism on stage, or is that something yeah. you completely take in your stride? Yeah, yeah.
1: no, I'm a person, and um, I hate when I lose to a heckle. Like, I hate when I get angry instead of so funny. Yeah. Or when I get rude, like that they won. You know, they took away my fun because I love doing stand up, and it's the most fun thing I do. So if you're if you're fucking like if I, yeah, I get pissed when I like get mad or like yell, and it's not funny, and it makes the room awkward. Like I don't like it. I've dug myself out of it, and then still killed. Or been, like, really rude to someone and the audience likes it and that person gets kicked out and everyone likes it. But it's just really gross when you get mean and then you lose them and then it's like, fuck.
0: It sucks. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have kind of, like, in order to force yourself to step back from it? Like you said, you talked about, you know, when it goes badly, you can, you, you know, that first yeah. lesson about bombing. Yeah. Do you have any step back from anger? Gears. Do you yeah. mean, is, or is that a harder? Is that a harder yeah, step when to Yeah, we I'll be
1: like, okay, clearly, maybe he didn't deserve it. It's my own problems. I'm feeling insecure, and now I have to prove myself to. Like, I like to just tell him what I'm thinking in my head.
0: Yeah, okay, say the say all of that stuff out loud. Yeah,
1: but if I'm like pissed, like if there's a group of dudes and I don't like what I, will well, say what's in my head, and it's not nice, and then it's it's weird for sure. It's not like a good thing.
0: So out of the out of the material that you did uh, opening for Sashir yesterday, yeah, what are your Like what's, what's the oldest bit that you did there? What's your, what's your most kind of reliable or kind of favorite bit to do?
1: Probably the one about my voice. Like I usually start by talking about my voice.
0: Remind me what the voice line was.
1: Just like you can tell by my voice, I live a very healthy lifestyle. And then I usually get people on board. All those are pretty new. Like the coming stuff is, I've been working on that for probably like a year, year and a half. But like, um, it's always changing and it's part of a longer bit.
0: One of the I don't remember I, what I did, though. Well, I, th- I think you, the first gag I remember you doing, the first bit was about your uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's being
1: pretty visible. neat. Well, yeah, it's not even a joke. Yeah. Well,
0: that's it. It's not even a joke. But what yeah. I what I loved about it... Actually, what-
1: May came up with the swastika line that I did. Okay, well, that's oh, that,
0: that's that's a lovely tank. But the premise of that joke, for those who haven't seen it, and I will try not to butcher it or attempt to perform it but what i loved about it what made me really sit up as an audience member yeah. was oh i've never seen anyone disavow their tattoos before some bad any <laughs> any comic with tattoos they sell that kind of yeah yeah i've got fucking <laughs> tattoos but to walk on and go so the problem with this these these clothes is it means oh, you me. can see this red hot chili peppers tattoo and i, I was probably like, oh who's this like i haven't heard anyone oh
1: cool that angle. makes me that's like a fun perspective to hear cool
0: yeah. So you uh, so you did that, you know, and then the, the, the swastika line, and then you had some really good material about. Um, uh Realizing you were gay. Yeah. And realizing-
1: well, I don't know if I real- I'm, I don't think I'm like oh, fully sorry, gay, but I'm sure, definitely sure. in love with a woman.
0: Yeah. So realizing you're in love with a woman and reflecting on uh, the time that you wasted yeah. sucking dicks. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, again, that's such a, that seemed to me to be like a, like that. If I was to describe you to someone, i go, she's the sort of person who says stuff like this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Almost <laughs> like whether you regard it as a signature bit, I think it really sums up your kind of irreverence and your kind of, um, there's almost like a sense of, well, I'd say rather than I tell you, Well, I, what what notes do you think you're playing? What what notes do you, what tone do you think you have that is particularly successful?
1: I think I, um, I want women to have a great time. Yeah. To be honest, like if I'm thinking about like every day, what's my overall message or like what am I thinking about? Constantly, it's mostly, you know, I perform in the city, in New York all the time and often I'm the only girl on a lineup or there's two and there's five or six dudes. And it's like, whatever They just, but you see women's faces light up when jokes are for them. And I feel like that makes me happy. I like when women are relating to it and like, yeah, and men are laughing. It's not like it's like a material that doesn't work for everyone. But I, th- that's like, I like talking about my perspective. I like that. It's like pretty strong me. And I think a lot of women relate and laugh, and they like like that it's for them, in a way.
0: There is something, I think, uh, like, I really enjoy that element of it as well, and there is something really, I don't know, refreshing or invigorating about it not all being aimed at me. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, lot, uh, as man, an audience member, I think I can say that.
1: You know, I do this every night. So, to me, it's like, I see... People's body language shifts during some of my material, and I see who's awkward. I see what couples are fucking, which ones aren't. I see which men are. Fa- like I see people's body language and faces change, and I don't care. <laughs> but uh, no, they're taking it defensively. But dudes are less used to things not being for them. A
0: hundred percent.
1: And like, there was one night this dude kept. I was on stage, and he kept being like, "You're terrible. This is terrible." Like talking to, and it was like, it was this moment where I was like, "You've seen five other comics tonight." You've paid, what, $12? Get the fuck over yourself. I'm like, if you don't like me, go to the bathroom, go have a cigarette, go make, bring your girlfriend, make out with her outside. Like, there's so many options to, or just sit quietly and don't laugh. But, like, he needed it to be known that I was terrible. And this happens a lot. Like, dudes will just, ugh, or, like, yell something out. And it's just like, yeah, it's just not for you. It's, okay, you're choosing for it not to be for you. I'm funny, but, like, okay, it's not for you. It's okay. But
0: like yeah. dudes get pissed. Yeah. Because nothing's not for them. Yeah. <laughs> them, us, you yeah. know? And it, it is, yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting that you have that in your head of like, this is, I, wanna, I want women to recognize this stuff is for them. It's for them. <laughs> So this is Lisa. Tremendous fun talking to her. Really, really fantastic comic. Highly recommend that you seek her out on YouTube. Uh, have a look on Google, see what you can track down of hers there. Hopefully, with luck, uh, she will come to the UK, back to the UK soon and uh, and do some gigging for us. So, a couple of little bits and bobs. Um, I will have a proper post-amble at you. I know uh, I was too knackered last week to get, any, uh, to get any of that done but I'll have a little tiny Edinburgh debrief so uh, we will do that in just a moment after these messages so thank you to everyone that's donated to the show, I've spent a very happy morning, Uh, I'm in Nottingham working at the Glee Club this weekend and uh, i spent a a very pleasant time Uh, this morning sat in a cafe uh, going through a lot of correspondence, some of it dating back to some four or five weeks ago, so apologies for the delay there. Uh, And thank you, all of you who said such nice things about the pod recently, Um, and uh, uh, there have been some very satisfying emails to, uh, I think, uh, two or three times today, I wrote something along the lines of Crikey, I'm tearing up in a cafe. (laughs) And Now, if you're one of those two or three people, don't feel that I was cutting and pasting. I just genuinely got some such lovely emails from you uh, to do with the effect that the podcast is having on your life your creativity and your mental health so thank you very much for getting in touch uh, and if uh, if you're one of those people who donated who i've emailed back to you today we had a couple of super donors today uh, as well as some uh, uh, very kind people doing subscription payments which you can do as you know at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate now i suppose we're at a kind of a lower point in the promotional cycle i'm not on tour till spring the edinburgh show is done and dusted um, so in terms of advertising things what shall I tell you I tell there's two things coming up which you should know about the 17th of September I am finally interviewing Michael Legg for Reelsies uh, live at the Objectively Funny Comedy Festival that's Sunday the 17th at 8.15pm you can uh, google all those things or go to the Comedians Comedian Facebook group to find out more on that um, I hope I will see you there and then I'm planning to stick around and watch Andy Field who I've not seen before but about whom I have heard a lot of good things so uh, come along to the Albany for that on the 17th of September or if you are listening Listening in Belfast, I'm going to be appearing at the Belfast Comedy Festival, interviewing the wonderful Tim McGarry, a grand old man of uh, Irish comedy. And uh, that is on the 4th of October. So a live comcom with Tim McGarry at the Belfast Comedy Festival. So I was going to read you out some details there, but all I have to hand is Tim's phone number, which I will not be reading out. So uh, again, have a search of that online and hopefully we will see you at one of them. So we'll get back to the show in just one second. But if you are someone that's donated, thank you very much. And if you're someone who is not able to or can't donate at the moment, uh, then please do support the podcast. Remember, you can do that in lots of other ways. Telling people about it, saying nice things about it, coming and seeing me or acts that you've seen on the show live. I do count that as a win for the podcast if you go and see someone because you discovered them through the show, even though I don't benefit at all, apart from in terms of my soul, I suppose, on some on some level. Um, so thank you to those... I discovered a bunch of... I got a new podcast app and there's loads of reviews on it already. Uh, I've switched. I've switched from iPhone to Android. It's absolutely brilliant if you want to do things... And uh, you know, under your own steam, if you want to go, mm, I'd like to do this. And you're used to the iPhone saying, "No, you can't." Um, so that's very exciting. But it meant that I've uh, I've downloaded some uh, some new podcast apps. Very gratifying to see such lovely reviews. So you can do that wherever you are. And as ever, there's always one dickhead. <laughs> Although in the case of the particular app I downloaded, he had a fair point, which was a, a, a review of my uh, show at the Camden Comedy Club, which you may remember me saying. I think it was. Lo- it must have been. July 2016, it was genuinely one of the top three worst gigs of of my entire 12-year career. And uh, this person says some very mean and I'm sure entirely justified things about it. And of course, amongst the hundreds of five-star reviews, that's the one I'll take with me to the grave. Ah, well, I hope I can learn to be a little bit more Lisa Traeger. Let's get back to Lisa. (laughs)
1: It's my life, so it's like, why am I cater? No men ever cater to a female audience. No men are like, oh, well, are the women going to enjoy this? They go out and do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. And women are more empathetic or whatever, and they're, like, laughing, and they're doing it. And people men are funny. It's not like men aren't funny. So, like, people are laughing. And, um, yeah. It's just like... I... Men are, I just feel like men are never thinking like, I hope the women aren't offended or the women like this. So I don't know why I have to do that. And it's always this thing. Like people argue with me and be like, you're a man, you're this, you're that. And it's like, I'm going to fuck. Like you guys don't think about us. How many times, like, you know, there's all these writing jobs that come out and it's always like, Oh, we're looking for a woman. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't hire one. Cause you didn't think about it.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs>
1: You've hired all your men and yeah. now you can go get a black person and a woman. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like fucked. So it's like you, what, uh, you know, It's. And I hate that I have to be like, but it's not all men. But like societally, it's like most men don't think about us. Like, why do I have to think about you ever? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm going to talk about my period. Like, I don't care. It's my life. Like, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's There's, weird uh, that men want the courtesy from us that they don't give.
0: Yes, us. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's uh, I saw a pitching like five people pitching competitively yesterday for their sitcoms. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that was that was fun. Um, but uh, two of them, the opening, they were b- pitching for a sitcom called Springtime Horizons or something like that, which was about it was uh, in a work agency for women in their forties and fifties, and they oh, beautifully did these two female comics, they beautifully described all of the different characters, all of these different women, and like br- brilliant little thumbnail sketches. And then the sixth one was, uh, and then there's Brett. He's uh, he's white, and then they moved on, and it was fuck, it was such a great joke to go like, yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's all we ever get. So there we go. There's there's the additional man tacked on the end. That's
1: beautiful. I wanna yeah, I wanna know who they are. I wanna find them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've been like going to all the shows. You're like doing shows, going to shows, doing these podcasts. Yes. You're like in it. Yes. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well yeah. So you're you. doing and the things. I
0: it's I'm ai uh, the podcast was recently described uh in the UK as uh was it like essential listening for every comedy dweeb? And I'm like, yeah. okay, I guess I'll take that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I mean, most of us, I think, are like assholes, so it's like fun. It's nice to see someone that's like going to the shows and seeing people. Yeah, I've
0: really uh, did... even
1: like going to a panel. You know, it's wild. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, got to do something during the day. I'm not drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not drinking because uh, I have an 18 month old baby, and I really value the sleep that I'm getting here. Mm-hmm. So I'm not staying up late and getting mashed. I'm, that's so funny. I'm, I'm up at like half ten and like mm, I better see some stuff. So um. Uh, so do you, uh, do you go and see much other stuff or do you just do, do your act, do your gigs?
1: I'm a chatter. I like to hang out. I'm like, I love hanging out so much yeah. that I really, it's hard. I don't.
0: Yeah. You've got I quite you a guilty smile on your face I at the always moment. I just <laughs> want to
1: sit in a green room talking to people. Yeah. But, um, and I've shown. That's like, an answer. People, don't you, don't need, to, you don't need, you don't need prove not, There are people that I wish I'd see in, you know, like I want to see Barry Rothbard or Ali Wong or whatever, but. I want to do... I'll see them next. Like, I don't care. I don't know. Are there any... I'm going to go to dinner. I would just rather, like, hang out with people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Are there any chinks in your armour? Because I... Like, psychologically. Because I can imagine the listenership, you listening at home, so many people are going to be punching the air and cheering at this. You're such okay. a refreshing kind of voice. I know a, a lot of women listeners of this show will be listening to this going, fucking yeah, come on, where can I see it? So are there... Are there kind of any any weak spots in your kind of these these incredible sort of psychological defenses? Like your personality, you seem so invulnerable.
1: Yeah, there are. Bull- I mean, there are people. You know, this is actually something recent, but you know, like I'm newly dating a gal, and um, some of the like questions and the way people—not most people—have been great, but I have had people been being annoying to me. And that bothers me. Like, I was really upset about that.
0: And annoying and more mean.
1: And just, like, I get you're a lesbian now, but you can stop with the man-hating material, you know, from, yeah, someone, that, okay. um, from someone that has a lot of power in my life. I don't know how to say it, but sure. just, like, someone that it was just like, okay, that's not what I'm doing. Like, that's not my material. I, um yeah I guess that's yeah that's been like a new thing where I have to like defend being in love with like a great person mm-hmm. and I feel like I've been naive about it, thinking like it wouldn't happen or whatever, like all of my gay friends have problems, you know what I mean, like yes. I don't know why I thought I could just like skip through everything and just be so naive and everyone would be on board and happy for me, but that's been kind of weird, and it has been like hurting my feelings and making me like annoyed for sure, yeah, because just like these questions like I just know these shitty ass dudes that cheat on their like girlfriends and like. And there, no one asks them any questions, but suddenly I'm getting all these questions like, do you think it's because of this that you like? And it's like, no, it's because she's like the best person ever. So it's like, I don't like having to defend like this new relationship. That's been really annoying. I also get annoyed with having to defend myself. um, When people are like, why are women dirty? Why are you so dirty? Why do you do this and that? And it's like, literally I can talk about whatever I want and this is what I choose to do. I'm not doing it for any, like that annoys me when I have to like defend myself for my material and other people don't like that annoys me
0: yes yes those are I mean particularly the first of or people those. being like
1: oh you're just relying on this someone told me they're like uh minorities and women just rely on that too much and I go what do you mean we're talking about our worldview that treats us in these labels You're the one treating us Yeah, Yeah, a
0: worldview of which you are an essential component. Yeah, Yeah.
1: like you categorize me as a woman and I can't do dirty material, but Dave Attell can, you know? I mean, he's like the best comic ever, but so many of these men that fuck with me and tell me like, oh, you're dirty, you're dirty, they all love Dave Attell. And it's like, he's filthy. (laughs) He's like the best comic in the world, but he's so dirty. And it's just like, they just talk to me in a straight face. of like, you shouldn't do that. You're relying on this. You're relying on woman stuff. You need to do this and that. And it's just like... That annoys... Like, it bothers me. I hate that I have to defend myself all the time. I'm always on the defensive, it seems like. That's, that annoys me. That's
0: interesting, because you don't seem to... In the in our very limited social contact yeah. or in the, the material I've seen you doing those two gigs, it doesn't seem... It doesn't appear to come from a defensive position. No, not
1: on stage. I'm just saying, like, in... At the table, when I'm hanging with comics, sure. when I'm, like, with these... You know, I'm... Those conversations annoy me. I'm annoyed because I'm just like I'm funnier than all of you. You guys are void of a personality, and <laughs> you guys have great jokes. But yep. You're not connecting with the audience, and you use my personality or what I'm doing as like an excuse to yeah. my success. Yes. Um, instead of realizing you're boring, I don't know. I'm being stupid. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm trying to think what hurts my feelings. I'm like trying. Um. I'm really defensive of my friends. I mean, I used to have, like, body issues. I used to, like, hate myself and stuff. But, like, that's not really a thing anymore. But, yeah.
0: Do you mean that's not a thing in your life anymore? Yeah. Or, like, it's yeah. still kind of a thing in the world. Oh,
1: yeah. But just, like, but... I used to just, like, be really self-conscious and, like, dress different way. Like, I used to have, like, a lot of, um, I guess, reservations about the way I dress. Like, I would hide my body and stuff, which is okay. different. Uh, but that's just, I think, with, like, age and maturity and stuff like that. Is
0: it Was there any particular... Because that's another thing I can imagine people listening to this going, Lisa, tell us how you fucking dealt with that. Did you? Is it go on? Is there a story? It was
1: a big moment, but um, well, one, my best friend Sabrina, her wife Sean, is like an amazing stylist, and like she really has pushed my boundaries in certain things, and like, you know, um, for my half hour special, she's like, you're gonna wear a jumpsuit. I was like, I would never wear a jumpsuit. Like, just like I can't imagine. And then, um. She found me a jumpsuit I wore and it was like amazing. So like her picking out clothing and pieces and challenging me has been really big. And then because stylists don't see the insecurities you see, they like just know how to dress for you. Yes. So they, um, they're not, they don't see the problems you see. So like they're giving you the best thing for you. What, even though you don't know about it. And then the other thing is I went to Palm Springs with my best friend, Serena and we did Molly and, um, it was a pool party called summer tramp we got there on accident but it was just like the hottest game on everywhere giant blow-up pool toys and um I was just like laying on the pool deck with my legs in the pool and like men would dance on <laughs> like straddles and dance <laughs> and water would drip down their bodies but it was just the most amazing drug trip of my life and that was the moment where a lot of things changed and um then there was like an Adele techno hello song that played and I went into a different realm of of my brain and it was just like from that moment I was like happier, calmer, and more confident.
0: Incredible. Was yeah. that, I mean, that was that the, so Molly is MDMA, we don't yeah. call it that. Okay. Yeah. So weirdly we call it Mandy, which is. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, weirdly oh, cool. kind of dual name. Um, so was that your first time using it or was that just a particular. That was the best
1: one, sure. time. Okay. Um, not my only time, but that was definitely like the one to chase now. It was like so good. Um,
0: I, f- I feel like I have to have a certain amount of responsibility for the listeners. There may be other solutions to some of the challenges you're facing <laughs> than having an incredible yeah. drug trip in a pool.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I also got to look at my friend and just be like, fuck, look at our lives. Like we did it. Like, it was just like such gratitude. Sure. And then, um, it was just like, I can't believe I'm spending my time obsessing over things that don't like, look at us We we've done it. You know, it just was like, um, it put everything in perspective and yeah it was good
0: I'm getting misty eyed I want one of those moments <laughs> yeah. I feel like
1: I mean, probably having a child might give you some perspective and uh, it, definitely, in it definitely
0: it's <laughs> definitely given me a lot of perspective the last year and a half has been very educational and exciting and I, I, I think the, the issue I have now that I have a child is that sometimes I catch myself behaving in like my old anxiety ridden way I've had lots of problems with anxiety mm. and a bit of depression and stuff like that and now if I if I catch myself being like that, I'm like, I don't have time for this anymore. But it's still, if it's still there,
1: yeah. it's
0: still there. And maybe the best way for me, it's, we're not get into my psychology here. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's very inspiring to hear, um, to hear about such a positive experience. Because I feel like I have a lot of those kind of revelatory moments uh-huh. and then they're gone in the wind. And then I'll have another one in three months and I'll go... This is I get it now, and then it's yeah. gone again. But you've noticed you really. No, on
1: waves, you know. Like I get sad, and I have days where I don't want to leave the house, and I just sit and smoke weed and binge watch television and don't leave my bed for days. You know, it's not like a constant. And how are your party. gigs during those times? It's the thank God for them because that's the reason I leave the house is just to do them, and um, I have a great time. Yeah, no gigs. I mean, I'm sure I'm like more fun and loose when I'm happier, but like yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just always do it. Like, stand up's a constant, so it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know if I can pinpoint how I am when I have sad days or happy days. But I think I do have self destructive behaviors at times. When things are too good, sometimes I still revert back to, like, not thinking I deserve happiness and then doing destructive things to, like, even it out. You know, I still, like, have moments like that.
0: Is that is that the result of you done therapy? Is that, that sounds like them. a bit of. You haven't, because that sounds like a very, that's like quite a well-frameworked, you know, I still have destructive behaviors that I go back to when I, do you know what I mean? It's not, I'm not <laughs> mocking your speech. I'm just yeah. suggesting that that's, oh, that's a quite, uh, a, a quite enlightened way of realizing why you do certain things.
1: For sure. I mean, the thing with stand up is like everyone has different styles. And since I talk so much about myself and my life, I am like thinking about things all the time. And, yeah. um, you know, like. I know certain things that make me not feel good and I'll do that. Yeah. It's like, it's uh, a weird, it's still weird to accept full happy. Like, you know, I'm really happy with my life and fulfilled right now. And it's scary.
0: Why is it? Why is it scary?
1: I don't know. I feel like maybe I don't deserve it or it can go away or like people think, I don't know what it is. Like I usually enjoy it, but there are moments where like, you're like, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. Like I was (laughs) like, Yeah.
0: What are you, you're laughing at something. I feel like you thought of something. And I just thought it. about
1: it share <laughs> Yeah. Like usually, you know, for TV stuff, people like eat better to like, I like I'll like, i just eat worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll like purposely eat worse. Purposely. Like okay. Because I know bread makes me really sick. Like when I eat a lot of like, um, I think most people, it's not like really good for us, but like it, I get, blo- like it hurts my stomach. I get bloated. And then like. I don't know, I'll just have diarrhea all day, like, four, five, six times a day. Like, and I, I know it'll cause me problems. So I know I have a flight. I know I'm coming to this festival. I'm doing a taping. I'm doing these cool things. Lots of photos taken. And then the week prior to this, I was just, like, eating takeout, like, three times a day. Like, I was just, like, eating all this candy. Actually, I was, you know, from London. I, I bought um, all the, these big bags of Haribo's and stuff. But, um, yeah, I'll just, like, order next Like, I'll be hungry and be like, oh, no, I want, like, just to make myself sick. And then I've been sick here, like, to even out because it's, like... It's just too much fun. It's like a weird thing. I do that.
0: That days. is weird. That's a really interesting behavior. So, that's so there's something I do. Something self-destructive in that. Yeah. And what? Or would- like,
1: I know I have a fun important thing, and I'll just stay up till six a.m. You know, like I just like will fuck things up a little if it's going too good.
0: That is so weird because <laughs> I suppose most people with a destructive streak of that nature don't have the outlet that you do of stand-up comedy whereby you are rewarded for that kind of brash... You know, your yes. your ability to go, hey, I got really fucked up last night. You know what yeah. I mean? And have people celebrate that because you're able to say something really funny about it or with yeah, it. Yeah,
1: because I think they relate. I think everyone has these things. So it's like if I'm going to be as honest as possible, I feel like people are going to. Because, you know, I get nervous going to the South or going to like different like small towns that might hate me or like Cincinnati and like Ohio. Like, oh, fuck, what is like it? Me. What
0: is it about those towns that you
1: Um, Like maybe conservative values. Okay voting for trump you know uh (coughs) no conservative values or just like conservative people or people in unhappy marriages or like southern like i just like get nervous that they're not gonna like me um but i realized like the more honest i am like people relate to these things like i was in kentucky and i was like oh kentucky great and then it was like the best and the audience liked me and we had this thing and they were laughing at things they didn't want it was just like such a fun experience you know And I think um, when things are grounded in honesty, we're all, like, someone's going to relate.
0: And is there a a price to pay for that kind of honesty? Mm -hmm. That, like, I I sometimes find, um, like, I've got some material in my my new show that I'm taking, the Edinburgh Festival, about howling with rage alone in your car. That's the craziest
1: thing about (laughs) you fucking guys. I can't imagine doing a new hour every year getting reviewed and then bye and doing a new one it's like insane to me
0: it's insane to us as well
1: it is (laughs)
0: and I think part of us like it's really interesting talking as I do to American and British comics international comics whereby I think the Brits are kind of proud that well at least we have that over the Americans it's a bit glitzier over there but yeah are they turning over an hour a year I mean everyone on Netflix is now (laughs) but um, but, uh, at the same time I'm aware from speaking to Hari Kondabolu we talked about this a little while ago uh, where he said, was like, yeah, we think that's insane, and we think probably your hours aren't that good. <laughs> you know, uh, if you're turning over the stuff all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's like, it is beautiful to have like a, a certain narrative, and I don't know, I, and people are funny. I, it, I would just hate like reviewers coming and like... Oh, getting
0: reviewed every year when the annoying. stuff is only like nine months old or less.
1: I just don't get the rush. I also don't get not like not putting it out. Yeah. Like, I'm shocked people aren't, like, recording it. People or... are
0: starting to, but, yeah, I would say a lot more people don't than do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, cool. it's just, That it's a, it's a wild structure, for sure. Yeah. And to come up with a thing, like, with us, it's like, you know, there's a message per the hour or whatever, but, like, whatever you want to do, but it is just, like, you can do jokes, you can talk about lots of topics and go in and out, and, like, the, uh, the pressure of, like... Having it be cohesive is probably
0: yes. I think I, I do I see a lot more British comics now going to a more American style of it. Like this is that this is an hour of whatever I think is funniest at the moment. It's new, yeah. But it's there've been so many structured shows, brilliantly structured shows, yeah. and you'll be familiar with all the the cliches of like oh at forty minutes in your dad dies. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. those there's there's kind of certain narrative. Uh, tropes and probably certain narrative tricks as well, whereby some people... You, you can definitely see a show at the Edinburgh Festival and go, oh, this person has watched a lot of shows and knows exactly which strings to pull when. Yeah. And I think there is almost, uh, <laughs> if not a backlash against that, there is almost like, people are a bit tired of that. Artists, comics are a bit tired of that and are a bit more like, I'm just going to do a lot of funny stuff. Yeah. But to, to come back to the example I was using so I don't sound completely insane, I've got some material about howling with rage alone in my car. Now, for me, that's some pretty... In in my kind of like this is my seventh hour and like I haven't really yeah yeah it's risible. Uh, yeah I for me I'm I feel I'm being particularly raw in that I'm particular I'm talking about a thing that I'm going should I talk about this does this make me sound nuts and in the part of it in the back of my mind is like oh maybe my parents will come and see this show and I wonder what they'll you know what I mean I, I feel I, I feel like there are certain cages to being completely out there honest okay. there are certain. Uh, there are certain hurdles in the way, like emotional hurdles where I'm like, I don't ever want to share that much. Yeah. Coming back to what you're talking about in terms of honesty, do you? is there a price to pay for that honesty? Do you ever think, oh, I can't say that? Or are you just completely warts and all?
1: Um, No, I, ju- I don't, yeah. I
0: just... Uh... <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that question because it reveals a lot about me. And uh, it's no, leave it amazing. in, leave it
1: in. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I, I, I'm not... It could hurt me one day if like more, if the more people that know you, the more risk, you know, people are going to hate you for something or not like it or whatever, judge you. But I just, I haven't had any, um, I guess backlash or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like I've, you know, you said you went to the alternative show yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have that calm joke with the chest. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a great joke. (laughs)
1: And it's, like, my favorite. I love doing it, but, like, I know my mom fucking saw it online. And it's, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird for her to hear it, but, like, I'm not... Yeah.
0: Have you ever had a conversation with her about no, it? No, they just had were blanket, very, kind
1: of? uh, red... Like, um, co- they grew up in communism. We're very, uh... <laughs> We're not a discussion-based family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we don't really talk. There's some... You know, we speak Russian. So there's, like, a language barrier because my Russian's getting worse. Their English is getting worse. So it's, like... Because uh, they've just retired and stuff. So...
0: Okay. It is weird. But where do they, they, they live? Don't... Are they in Chicago? In so? Skokie,
1: yeah. Those Chicago okay. suburbs. Um, They don't 100% understand. My mom does better understanding it. I'm sure they're confused. I'm sure they're, like, what the fuck? But... No, when I did a late night set, my dad was like, I liked that there was no swearing, you know, like he definitely said something like that, but, um,
0: yeah. And is there, just, I've never had anyone Russian on the show before. Okay. Um, What are the, like, but obviously my first thought would be, oh, is that going to be quite useful for your career that Russia is very much in the news at the moment? Yeah. Or do you do you have any material about Russia or is that not something that interests you?
1: No, I have material about like being a foreign kid with foreign parents and stuff. Um, but that's it. And that's like newer. Because I've been really sensitive about, I don't want to do material that's like, oh, my foreign parents, what idiots. You know, sure. like, oh, they don't speak English and, like, start doing accents. There is an incredible
0: of amount of that material out there. I
1: know. I don't want to do it. I don't... They, like, moved to a country and, like, they're, you know, later half of their lives for their children. My dad converts hired retired there but instead worked at a fucking factory all night and, like, drove a school bus. Like, they've done all these, like, amazing things. And, you know, we... I just fucking hate People that are against immigrants in America because it's, like... are like, oh, speak English. It's, like... Can you imagine mm. at 50, like, moving, learning a new language, raising children, figuring it out, making money, get, buying a house? Like, it's insane. So I just, I refuse to get on stage and be like, they're idiots. Um, so it's taken me a while to figure, I want to be the butt of the joke in a way. And so, like, I'm toying with that and stuff.
0: Yeah, it always strikes me as particularly weird, like, the concept of America is immigrants. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand the logic. of it. I can, it's racism. I, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I understand it a lot more. Yeah, I don't understand it in Britain. I get that it's, it's clearly racism, uh, yeah. but surely if you're in America, like, how can you not? Yeah. Anyway, like, yeah, <laughs> like that's the whole point, right? Immigrants is the whole point. Yeah. So, uh, do you read reviews? Do you ever read reviews?
1: We don't. No one really does reviews. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, when I did the Melbourne Festival, they reviewed the American show, but it's like f- there was four of us. Yeah. And I think they were a nice thing. I think. Yeah, I looked at it. I, I can't know.
0: imagine you lose sleep over caring what people it think
1: depends. It I It depends, I'm sure. I mean, it depends if I knew I did bad. If I know I did bad and then someone wrote I did bad, it sucks.
0: Is that... <laughs> and it doesn't... By that same token, you're suggesting it doesn't suck. If you, you know you did well and someone said you did badly, that just glances off you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We all aspire to that kind of internal... Confidence,
1: yeah. I'm just, I'm way, I know when I do good on stage and sure. not. Like I know when it's a good show. I'm, you know, there's delusional comics for sure. People that blame the audience when they do bad or whatever. But um yeah, I'm trying to think if people have written mean stuff about me.
0: Do you get Do you get any uh, Do you get abuse weird. online? Do you get kind of Yeah,
1: but like I said, it's just like if you think this is gonna break like (laughs) it's just like it's usually just like for women it's pretty easy because it's usually just like fat ugly whore or you're not funny like it's just those four so it's like it's not really creative even when i do roast battles or roasts or anything those are the four things they hit women on too like i think um it just yeah i love when people say not funny my friend annie always says she goes i'm a professional yeah like i make what do you mean Yeah, I'm just not funny. You're that's an insane thing to say. But yeah, like, it's usually, um, yeah, lose weight. Usually. So it's like, whatever.
0: Yeah. So it's if it were more creative, it would be more painful. Because I guess what you're suggesting is those, those four main targets. You're like, come on.
1: Yeah, I mean, that those what's so beautiful about those is like, it shows how cocky men truly are. Because if your biggest insult is that I'm not fuckable to you, you truly hold yourself. Like, that's what's so interesting about dudes where it's just like, no one wants to fuck you. It's like, you think that's the worst insult to woman, women, that a man doesn't want to have sex with them. Like, that's how you view women's worth. And then you deny sexism or inequality or, like, your, dis, like, your disrespect towards women. And yet your insult is that if a man doesn't want to fuck you, you're nothing. It's, like, crazy. Yeah. But it, it so I just like seeing the cockiness of men where it's like it's funny that you think I'm not judging my life on all of this like success or like my friendships and like um, just like this life that I've built. But you think a, a, you like you not wanting to fuck me is going to bring me down. It's like pretty poetic. It's like beautiful. I, wanna, <laughs> I eventually want to do a joke about it. I haven't been able to figure it out. But it's just like that's men's worst insult is that they don't want to fuck you. And it's like. I just love when audiences if they get impl- they implicate themselves in being assholes. Yes, that's the same thing with immigration when you're when, you know when people are like they're taking our jobs. I'm like, oh, so you think they're yours? So that's yep. privilege, but yet you're denying the privilege. Yeah, and that's how I feel with like insulting women in that way, where it's just like you're disgusting. It's like okay, so you only view women on that. You know what I mean? It's just yep. like um, it's it's great. Yeah, it's elegant. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good.
0: So. But
1: that's, like, a thing that really upsets me when you're, like, what really turmoils you? like, what stresses me out a lot is having conversations about gender and, like, inequality and these, and men just denying it exists. Yes. There's actually a male comic here um, at this festival, and he straight up was, like, men and women get raped the same amount and everything is equal and it's bullshit, women play victim. And that's something that he just believes. So, to me, he thinks date rape's not real. So, it's, like, um... So, to me, it's, like, that those things annoy me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because
1: that like really gets you, under my skin. Do
0: you think the the social landscape is changing with the with the like I something I'm very aware of with this podcast I don't want to just constantly be talking to white men. There are so yeah. many more white men than anyone else. Yeah. Um but fortunately very excitingly in the last few years the number of women doing comedy yeah. to a very good level in the UK has yeah. just you yeah. know I, I think that's reflected I mean there aren't a huge number of women at this festival
1: yeah
0: are they I mean there is it's, it's still like no. it's still one or two on a bill in the galas that I've seen
1: okay yeah
0: um, but I do feel like five years from now it'll be very different here because this is a kind of an elite you know you've yeah. got to be really good or be going for a long time what's you think?
1: interesting about that it's definitely changing what's what is interesting is that white, a lot of white men that I interact with day, on a daily basis, they find themselves being victims now. Yeah. So to them, they're not like, "Fuck yeah!" There's a bunch of black women at this festival. This yeah, is awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "But what about me?" You know. So True. they're. It's like pretty disgusting. It's again with the immigrant thing. It's like, oh, so you think you deserve it more than these people? Yeah. That's why they excuse it and being like, "Oh, you're just you're just talking about being black." like like excuse. You just got that because you were black or they just needed a woman. It's like, but you truly think that you deserve it. It's like, um, but yeah, the idea with that all the time. So this is a great story. So Gina Davis has this theory where it's like, um, this just happened a week before. So, um, her thing is like in movies, crowds, even if you put like 17% of women or something, I haven't written, I don't want to fuck that up. Men just assume it's half women, yeah. Even though it's not, it's at all. And so that happened with the festival. My girlfriend she was talking to her boyfriend, and the he's a comic, she's not, and he was like, "Ugh, new faces." It's like not even there's not even any straight white men really. It's just like all women. And and she goes, "No, it's not." He goes, "It's more women this year. It's half women." And she, she goes, "Why don't you look at the list? The new faces list had five women." Yep. But in his brain, that was half.
0: How many is on the list? There's like 20 right? men. Yeah, okay, right, right.
1: Or 15 men, or whatever it is. We can like double check. But there was only five women. Yeah. So it's still predominantly white Absolutely. men in the list.
0: Some weird sort of confirmation they bias. They feel
1: they're being threatened in this way. It's like insanity. They're just like retarded. It's truly retarded. Like my uh, manager Sam, so smart. She's um, she brought up. It's like it's like white men. I've been getting a a full pizza delivered to their house every day. Every day they wake up and there's a pizza and it's like, oh. And then the rest of us are like, hold up. Like, we want pizza too. So now we all are getting half a pizza delivered to our house. And yet they are now victimized.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because
1: we all have half a pizza Yeah, because
0: we're accustomed to privilege. So what's the phrase? Equality feels like... Yeah, Uh, prejudice whatever the thing is because we're so accustomed to it, absolutely. Yeah,
1: but then denying the privilege. Like, that's what's annoying. It's like, it's just the cycle that's so frustrating because it's like they deny they have perks and yet they prove time and time again they do because of how defensive they get. And it's so annoying. But yeah, I think things are changing. I think the biggest thing, and I have this clunky joke, I can't figure out about it, is that so much of women's realities have been um, like based on... Getting male approval. Yeah, it's fitting into the patriarchy. You know, there's only one woman in the writers room. You got to fight another woman because there's only one, and that's changing because I think we we don't need like on my show. There's three female execs. I have a like the development person's a woman. My manager's a woman. She's like EPing the project. My agent's a woman. So like we're working on this together and. I don't need to fit into this thing. So that's what it is. It's like, I think we've all realized like we don't need to impress like some man or like men aren't really in charge. Like we have to stop wanting their approval. Yeah. And anyway, and I think that is happening. So yeah, we just have to. S- so that
0: is a fairly optimistic.
1: It's so optimistic. I think people yeah. are creating stuff. They're telling their stories They're finding their worth. I think, I think Trump getting elected was the biggest wake up call to all these white women who are also implicated in not like supporting black lives matter and all these movements. And like, we were privileged, too. And we got all these perks. And then, like, once tr- like it was this moment where it was like, you know what, motherfuckers? Fuck you. I don't care. I think it was, it, it was a drastic change. I'll be honest. Drastic. I feel... Yeah. All... A bunch of my female comic friends, we are... We just hang out all the time. We do shit. Like, it's not... No one's trying to impress... The Like, the power has gone away, and it's shifted. So it's not like... Oh, I hope this dude thinks I'm funny. It's just like not a thing.
0: Finally then to wrap up. You mentioned But yeah, I just like
1: I think it's great. I feel like it's it like insecure on HBO is the best show ever. And it's so good and it's like the most relatable thing I'd ever seen. And it's all black people and it's this thing of like how fucked is that that for years there haven't been like just black people doing things
0: I've not seen that show but my equivalent to that would be The Wire when you realise that there's a black chief of police talking to a black commissioner and a black detective in the same room and you haven't even noticed and you suddenly go oh all these characters are all three of these characters are black and they're all well drawn and I'm completely unused to that oh god I'm completely unused to that you know
1: yeah, so it's, like, this wild thing just watching black people, like, be friends and go to work is this, like, groundbreaking <laughs> thing, but it's, like, they haven't been represented, and now they're being represented, and it's, like, why? you should be, like, happy about it. There's more voices. It's just, like, it's, and I'm only thinking about, like, maybe ten dudes, but it's, like, I see them all the fucking time, and it's annoying. Yeah. But I stop talking to them, and they're all, like, oh, you hate us. I'm, like, I don't hate you. You're just boring. You're boring to you know."
0: finally then, you talked about you have a clunky joke about that subject that you can't get to make yeah, work at the moment. Yeah,
1: about cheating and stuff, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so
0: uh, just because we have covered lots of stuff, time is limited, we haven't covered writing in so much detail. Yeah. Can you tell me like the bones of the bit and talk about how you're going to try and fix it?
1: I just, have, I just do it on stage over okay. and over and constantly work on it until it's going to be crisp, tight, and beautiful. And it's <laughs> just from, I just have to do it a bunch. And do I you just,
0: sit down and write ever? Do you no. ever...
1: Yeah, I'll go, out, like, hard and, like, free ride, or I'll go, but, like, I usually don't. No. I always write, like, a word down and go to new joke nights or bar shows and stuff. You write a word down? You know, like, a name of it or, like, a few ideas, and then I'll just, like, go with my notes to, like... Just smaller bar shows and new joke night, and just like go through them, see how people react. Something doesn't react, I'll be like, okay, like I really want to make this fun, like you know, talk about yes, it. Yes, kind of almost
0: out. writing, it's almost workshopping on stage. Going, yeah. Why didn't you laugh at that? Because what I'm trying to say is this, and yeah. then in, in explaining it, that's funny. Yeah,
1: kind of. Like it depends how loose I want to get, but yeah, I don't like sit down and write. But it would help. Like I bet it would speed up the process or whatever. It's just not really what I enjoy doing.
0: What will satisfy you to have? finally gained in comedy if you could look back in 20 years and go I got everything I wanted what would, what would
1: 20 years what does that so I'd be 50 like? um, I'd be 49 I'd be getting ready for my 50th birthday um, so yeah just performing for people that want to see me in like theaters you know like I would love to perform at the Chicago theater in a room full of people that like want to come see me um, that would be good and um, I want I hopefully this show is a success hopefully I I Write a bunch of movies. I'm like, I want to produce stuff. I want to interview people a lot. Um, I want to be like Barbara Walters, but fun. But yeah, just like working, doing stand-up. I would love to be able to get to a point where, like, if I showed up somewhere and was like, "Hey, can I get up?" They'd be like, "Oh my god, absolutely. We're so excited you're
0: here." That's a oh man, I'd love that. That, No one's ever said that on the show before, but we all want that.
1: Yeah, I want to be able to just like show up to a club or somewhere and be like, "Can I get some time?" And they be like. I can't believe she's here. This is so exciting. That's what I would love. Like, they would be excited to watch me work out stuff and, like, have fun and do comedy. Yeah. I want to have money. I mean, yeah. I'd like to have some money. I want to have money and dogs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: so that was Lisa thank you very much to her thanks for everyone uh, to her people that helped me put that together Um, and we will be bringing you more soon from from the Montreal Comedy Festival we've got Sugar Sammy K. Trevor Wilson and Sashia Zamata still to go all of those absolute bangers and then a bundle of really exciting uh, uh, ones from Edinburgh coming your way soon Uh, thank you very much for donating if you have uh, thanks for keeping in touch at ComComPod on Twitter or indeed info at ComediansComedian.com I've got some other, I've got some other irons in the fire, which I'll tell you about soon. Um, if you are someone who ordered a T-shirt and has not yet received it, please do get in touch. Info at comedianscomedian dot com with the subject line "Oi wears my T-shirt." I think I've seen enough of you. I sent nice photos back to me that suggest most of them got through but there's one or two um still uh, still to come there were a couple of ones that were missed from the order who have people i've spoken to already but if you were expecting to get it and you have not by now give me a shout oh, there we go floodgates open i shall now post amble at you if you care to hang around but uh, for now that concludes the podcast So where to begin? Oh I won't I won't go on at length. I'll try not to go on at length. What an Edinburgh. I haven't really processed it yet. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. I was so tired the entire time. Uh, the bootross is once again either teething or having one of those kind of wonder weeks where his brain grows and <laughs> he learns fifty new words but uh, can't sleep. Um so that was that was very exciting. And um the kind of professionally oh, the wrestling was incredible thank you to everyone that came to that thanks to the Henderson family for making me a banner and when I ent- entered uh, into the ring as uh, the wrestler's wrestler uh, gentleman Stu Goldsmith uh, they all stood up and waved a banner so they have three banners that said are you happy and it was one of the greatest moments of that or any other fringe um, so thanks to those guys thanks to everyone that came along to support me and thanks to everyone that cheered and wooed when my, uh, <laughs> when my promo video went up at the beginning of the show. I've seen some of the official photos from that now and they they're crazy. I'll see if I can borrow some and put them on the Facebook group. Um and uh, and then I did man watching, which is a, a play, a sort of monologue about. I won't say what it's about because there's a secret element to it. Um, but one comedian gets a script; you get given the script, an envelope on stage, and so without preparation, you have to perform this fifty-minute monologue. That was very exciting, particularly the backstage bit where they said, "Right, the main way you can fuck this up is by going too slowly. Give it pace." <laughs> so that was fun. It's almost like being an actor again, just and just like when I was very briefly an actor. I spent most of my time on stage. Most of my time on stage, going, is this working? Am I am I overacting? Am I underacting? I simply have no way of telling. Um, but thanks to everyone that watched that. Uh, what else? What else did I do? God, everyone's a comedian. Hellfire. Here are some of the lovely things you said about everyone's a comedian. Um, uh, Dan says, last month I submitted a couple of jokes to your everyone's a comedian show. If you're new to the party on this one, this is a a crowdsourced experiment I did in celebration of the creativity of you, the listener, where I uh, performed an hour of comedy having not seen any of it entirely from little snippets that uh, you people had written it. You people. I was going to say you guys. I'm trying to phase out guys that uh, you people had uh, had emailed to me and i had not seen so uh, so dan says i submitted a couple of jokes to everyone's a comedian not thinking they would make it in more just making myself think more about the process i just watched the show now it was on uh, facebook live streaming but i am going to release it so look out for that and i'll, I'll pop that out for the mailing list um, which I have to say is an amazing thing to do. You did a great job. I hope you enjoyed it, having a good Edinburgh. To so, say so I was thrilled to have you read out my jokes and the fact you told them in a way which could not have been done any better makes me so happy and really boosted my confidence going forward. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, Jeff, some of his stuff made the cut and got some laughs. He said my stuff was usually quite long, so if there's a next time, I'll do snappy stuff. With a bit of luck, uh Jeff, we, there will be a next time. Um, Owen said it was a success, Such a brilliant idea, watched the live stream, thoroughly enjoyed it. And Cordelia um, says, uh, I considered it a groundbreaking comedy show and one that deserves a nod or two. Bit of industry jargon there, thanks Cords. Um, by the end, everyone was hugely on board and keen followers. The feeling in the room was one of the community all coming together in gleeful celebration of comedy. Well, thank you. Thank you everyone that was there. And thank you in advance to those of you who download it and listen to it. I think I did what I planned to which was basically to try and make anyone that submitted anything feel like a hero it would have been easy to sort of stand there and go do joke no reaction that doesn't work but it was quite a fun combination of really getting behind the stuff and also having the opportunity to to actually work on it on stage and do the line lukewarm response come on we can get something out of this and and play with it and sort of take it to bits on stage it seemed like a really fun way of um, physicalizing and putting into motion some of the themes and the, the threads of the podcast. So, so pleased that that worked out well. And as I say, I'll be releasing that to the mailing list before long, although I will tell you about it. I'll, 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 uh, tell you all about it, um, and make it perpetually available. So don't worry about missing out on that. Um, then what else I did? Um, I feel like I'm missing. So I hosted the heat of so you think it's funny. That was, that was very fun to go back and do that. Um, and the show? I did a show! Oh yeah, I remember, like I mean it! Jesus Christ, I think I got four five-star reviews. I know they're meaningless, which is why I'm ignoring them as much as I'm ignoring the uh, the three-star from The Scotsman, which called one element of the show deeply irritating. But, um, you know, everyone else seemed to like it. But it, it's, so, it's so empowering. I may have mentioned this before. I don't read the reviews, and um, last year I really did that, and in earnest didn't read the reviews. And this year I read even fewer of them than the year I didn't read them. Um, And next year, what I aspire to is uh, not reading them and not even mentioning it. That's the next level. That's the next level. I hope I can get there. Um, But uh, I had so much fun doing the show. Thank you to everyone who came along. Thank you to all of you that donated at the show. Thank you to all of you who donated whilst saying thanks, man, and wiggling your eyebrows. I enjoyed that enormously. What a lovely secret thing we're all involved in. Um, also, this came up on Facebook today. I was thinking a couple of people said to me they saw people with the Thanks Man T-shirts and wanted to signal to those people that they, too, were listeners of the Comedians Comedian podcast, but didn't want to sound like... You know, socially, I was trying to. I edited. I was about to say mental. Then I edited it to crazy, and then I thought, no, you just you know, for all of our concerns about mental illness, what can you call people behaving oddly anymore? Um, and rightly so, rightly so. So let's try and avoid the uses of the word crazy and mental. Why don't we, why don't we try and add that to the palette? That seems reasonable, doesn't it? Um, well, then they wanted to be able to signal to people wearing the the Comcom T shirts, the Thanks T shirts. That they too were listeners without appearing unreasonable. How's that? Um, so I thought we should have a little catch gesture. And I thought crab claws. <laughs> crab claws has long been a, an obsession of mine, uh, as you'll remember from the days of Craboo, if you've listened to the An Hour Show. Um, so and also it has a kind of a giving it, you know, the old joke about a crab walks into a bar, does crab claws and gives it all that, you know, Um I think that's quite funny because because obviously the podcast is about talking and I like crabs and I feel there's a third way in which it's appropriate. But I, I, I can't. It's not at my fingertips right now. <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll do that. Maybe you could suggest uh, I'll start a thread on the ComCom Facebook group uh, for you to suggest uh, an alternate means of communicating silently, visually. And, you know, people could do it on photos and stuff like that. Uh, that will be fun so um so that's that what else did i do i'm sure there's something else big i did i did the tartan ribbon benefit that was great fun that's really fun that was very good that's in i think the the pleasant's grand is maybe a 750 or an 800 seater and obviously since the last time i played that room i, I do the, the waverly care benefit every year fantastic charity based in scotland for people with hiv and hepatitis um and uh since performing there last year of course i've done a couple of arenas on the old uh arena support slots that i did for jack whitehall and uh and so it's very weird to walk into an 800 seater and the swings on the the swings of the playground are smaller than they used to be so it's very funny walking out and go this used to be the biggest room i can imagine and now it's sort of lovely but quite small so, <laughs> so that was very fun too and just show, 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 giggity, giggity, gig. Thank you to everyone at the Liquid Rooms. Thanks to everyone on the PBH Free Fringe that helped make all of that possible. Thanks to Janners, my excellent tech, um, who's in on the lookout for shows to direct next year. So I'm going to keep my ear to the ground for those. Um, and uh, I think she'd be a very capable director. She wasn't my director this year, but it was a, she was a hell of a tech. She remembered the bananas every single day but one. And... Uh, and also, it was just a, a lovely, warm presence to arrive uh, every day at the venue and go, oh, it's a, it, you're here, it's all going to be all right. So thank you to everyone, not least to the Boutros and uh, Mrs. Goldsmith for uh, putting up with my <laughs> constant exhaustion and uh, an absence in many ways. So um, so sort of thanks to everyone. Thanks to everyone at my management, obviously, Jet in particular. and um, And thanks to everyone that came along. I feel like there's... During Edinburgh, you're always sort of thinking, God, there's so many things to say afterwards, and then it's fleeting, and it disappears and trickles away once you're in the sort of post-fringe lull-slash-crash... But I think that might have to do me for now. I've got... I, there's a thing as well. It's not Edinburgh-related, but I, uh, I just thought I'd read this out. This is from Ian. Ian Goodwin. This is just a funny little ComCom-related story, so uh, let me know what you think of this. "'Dear Stew writes Ian, "'I've been meaning to write for some time. "'My son, when in his third year at uni, came home and declared he wanted to be a stand-up comedian. "'He wanted me to pay for him to sit at home and write and wait to be discovered. "'Alex talked a lot about ComCom and subscribed me to the podcast.' I love that, that people are subscribing their parents <laughs> in a bit of passive way. I researched courses, came across Kate Smirthwaite's course. I said to Alex that if he got three job interviews, I'd pay for him to attend Kate's course. Needless to say, when the time came, he failed to get a single interview. He just expected me to let him go on the course. I refused and told him I cancelled the place. Ian, what are you doing? However, I went on the course. What? left turn which was every monday evening and i thoroughly enjoyed it well i hope you did then on the fifth week kate announced the following week be a rehearsal for the showcase it took me by surprise i didn't know there'd be a showcase anyway it was at the comedy pub leicester square i wrote the bit in i wrote my four minutes in 20 minutes the night before i invited alex to london on the pretense i needed him to video a corporate project he enjoyed the evening and within a week had three interviews and i signed him up for the following course ian you're a harsh taskmaster, but that is some really excellent dadding. Um, I signed him up for the following course. He was offered one of the jobs, which he's still doing today, and he's on the circuit performing stand-up in the evenings. Kate is good fun and taught both me and Alex a lot. Perhaps one day I will summon up the courage to do my second gig. Well, Ian, I mean, that took that took a dust till dawn 90-degree turn halfway through, but uh, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased that, uh, that you uh, relented in the end and got him on the course. And... Um, and I'm pleased that you got so much out of it. What an exciting thing to get up and do a few minutes not knowing that you're going to. So, uh, so there we go. I, I mean, I've not done any comedy courses, so I, I can neither, uh, recommend or unrecommend any of them, but, uh, I do think they, they certainly, um, what do I think? I think if you if you want a starter, I mean, they're perfect for someone in Ian's position or in, or in Alex's position. I'm of the opinion that you won't get anything from a cause that you can't get from flogging your guts out on the circuit for years. But uh, but equally, I'm a comparative dinosaur. So there's, I, I emailed someone back today who said, oh, have you got any advice on whether I should do bringer shows? And this is where you've got to bring friends to get on the bill. And I, my instinct is, God, no, absolutely not. But then at the same time, I wouldn't dream of, of telling anyone how they should behave um and and how they should gig and what mistakes they should try not to make um and you know let's let's remember when i started 12 years ago work wasn't as thin on the ground as it is now so uh, i certainly wouldn't presume to tell anyone what to do and what not to do and it's very difficult to to kind of uh, Put my one's own experience of the uh, of comedy circuit 10 years ago plus onto what it must be like starting out today. So that's great to hear. Ian. so thank you very much. Um, as, as I said, I've never done a course. So maybe everyone that did. I mean, I know lots of people who did do courses uh, and then ended up uh, as successful or more so than people who didn't. So who knows? I shall remain uh, characteristically on the fence on that one. But I do think there is nothing more important than your attitude. So rather than trying this guy, that a different guy that was emailing me to ask my advice for which steps to make, I, I shall say to you what I said to him, which is I, I think it's far less to do with having a game plan and making certain steps than it is to just jumping in, starting work. And when things go wrong, that's when you learn how to cope with things going wrong. So uh, there's no substitute for that. There we go. Was that all right? That seemed all right. Thanks very much. Um, I, I still haven't quite processed the whole Edinburgh thing. It was genuinely terrific, and I'm so grateful for everyone that took part or uh, uh, assisted in my experience of Edinburgh this year, which I think was one of my all-time favourites. So thank you, everybody. I will be releasing Everyone's a Comedian before long. I will email myself now to put that officially in my to-do list. And, uh, And as I said, I've got some other potentially exciting irons in the fire as well. More details on those mysterious projects as and when. Okay, bye for now. I'll speak to you next week.